Section 24 of Holidays at Roselands. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Joyce Martin. Holidays at Roselands by Martha Finley. Chapter 16, Part 1. Chapter 16. Hail, holy day, the blessing from above brightens thy presence like a smile of love, smoothing like oil upon a stormy sea, the roughest waves of human destiny, cheering the good and to the poor oppressed, bearing the promise of their heavenly rest. Mrs. Hale's Prime of Life when Chloe came in to dress her young charge the next morning, she found her already up and sitting with her Bible in her hand. "'Don't make a noise, Mammy,' she whispered. "'Sophie is still asleep.' Chloe nodded acquiescence, and moving softly about, got through the business of washing and dressing her nursling and brushing her curls without disturbing the sleeper. Then they both quietly left the room, and Elsie, with her Bible in her hand, rapped gently at her father's door. He opened it, and giving her a kiss and a good morning, darling, led her across the room to where he had been sitting by a window looking into the garden. Then taking her on his knee and stroking her hair fondly, he said with a smile, My little girl looks very bright this morning, and as if she has had a good night's rest. I think she obeyed me and did not lie awake talking. "'No, Papa, I did not, though I wanted to very much,' she answered with a slight blush. "'We did not have our chapter together last night,' he said, opening the Bible, "'but I hope we will not miss it very often.' Their plan was to read verse about, Elsie asking questions about anything she did not understand, and her father explaining and making remarks, he having read it first in the original and generally consulted a commentator also. Then Elsie usually had one or two texts to recite, which she had learned while Chloe was dressing her. After that they knelt down, and Mr. Dinsmore prayed. They never read more than a few verses, and his prayer was always short, so that there was no room for weariness, and Elsie always enjoyed it very much. They had still a little time to talk together before the breakfast bell rang, of which Elsie was very glad, for she had a great deal to say to her father. "'It is such a sweet, sweet Sabbath day, Papa,' she said, "'is it not? And this is such a nice place, almost as pretty as our own dear home, and are they not pleasant people? I think they seem so kind to one another and to everybody.' "'Which must mean you and me, I suppose. There is no one else here,' he answered smilingly. "'Oh, the servants, you know, Papa, and the people at the hotel. But don't you think they are kind?' "'Yes, dear, they certainly seem to be, and I have no doubt they are. "'And the baby, Papa, isn't it pretty? "'And, oh, Papa, don't you like Miss Rose? "'I hardly know her yet, daughter, but I think she is very sweet-looking "'and seems to be gentle and amiable. "'I am glad you like her, Papa, and I knew you would,' "'Elsie said in a tone of great satisfaction. The church the Allisons attended was within easy walking distance of Elm Grove, and service was held in it twice a day. The whole family, with the exception of the very little children and one servant who stayed at home to take care of them, 
went both morning and afternoon, and Mr. Dinsmore and Elsie accompanied them. The interval between dinner and afternoon service Elsie spent in her father's room, sitting on a stool at his feet, quietly reading. When they had returned from church, Miss Allison gathered all the little ones in the nursery and showed them pictures and told them Bible stories until the tea-bell rang, after which the whole family, including children and servants, were called together into the sitting-room to be catechized by Mr. Allison that was succeeded by family worship, and then they sang hymns until it was time for the children to go to bed. As Elsie laid her head on her pillow that night, she said to herself that it had been a very pleasant day, and she could be quite willing to live at Elm Grove, were it not for the thought of her own dear home in the sunny south. The next morning her father told her they would be there for several weeks, and that he would expect her to practice an hour every morning, Miss Rose having kindly offered the use of her piano, and every afternoon to read for an hour with him but all the rest of the day she might have to herself to spend just as she pleased, only, of course, she must manage to take sufficient exercise and not get into any mischief. Elsie was delighted with the arrangement and ran off at once to tell Sophie the good news. "'Oh, I am ever so glad you are going to stay,' exclaimed Sophie joyfully. "'But why need your papa make you say lessons at all? I think he might just as well let you play all the time.' No, replied Elsie, Papa says I will enjoy my play a great deal better for doing a little work first, and I know it is so. Indeed, I always find Papa knows best. Oh, Elsie, Sophie exclaimed, as if struck with a bright thought, I'll tell you what we can do. Let us learn some duets together. Oh, that's a good thought, said Elsie, so we will. And perhaps Sophie would like to join us in our reading, too, said Mr. Dinsmore's voice behind them. Both little girls turned around with an exclamation of surprise, and Elsie, taking hold of his hand, looked up lovingly into his face, saying, Oh, thank you, Papa, that will be so pleasant. He held out his other hand to Sophie, asking with a smile, Will you come, my dear? If you won't ask me any questions, she answered a little bashfully. Sophie is afraid of you, Papa, whispered Elsie, with an arch glance at her friend's blushing face. "'And are not you too?' he asked, pinching her cheek. "'Not a bit, Papa, except when I've been naughty,' she said, laying her cheek lovingly against his hand. He bent down and kissed her with a very gratified look, then patting Sophie's head, said pleasantly, "'You needn't be afraid of the question, Sophie. I will make Elsie answer them all.' Elsie and her Papa stayed for nearly two months at Elm Grove, and her life there agreed so well with the little girl that she became as strong, healthy, and rosy as she had ever been. She and Sophie and Harold spent the greater part of almost every day in the open air, working in the garden, racing about the grounds, taking long walks in search of wild flowers, hunting eggs in the barn, or building baby houses and making tea parties in the shade of the trees down by the brook. There was a district schoolhouse not very far from Elm Grove, and in her rambles the children had made acquaintance with two or three of the scholars, nice, quiet little girls, who after a while got into the habit of bringing their dinner-baskets to the rendezvous by the brookside, and spending their noon recess with Elsie and Sophie, the dinner-hour at Mr. Allison's being somewhat later in the day. Sophie and Elsie were sitting under the trees one warm June morning, 
dressing their dolls. Fred and May were rolling marbles, and Harold lay in the grass with a book in his hand. "'There come Hetty Allen and Maggie Wilson,' said Sophie, raising her head. "'See how earnestly they are talking together. I wonder what it is all about. What's the matter, girls?' she asked as they drew near. "'Oh, nothing's the matter,' replied Hetty. "'But we are getting up a party to go strawberrying. We've heard of a field only two miles from here, or at least not much over two miles from the schoolhouse, where the berries are very thick.' We are going tomorrow because it's Saturday and there's no school, and we've come to ask if you and Elsie and Harold won't go along. Yes, indeed, exclaimed Sophie, clapping her hands. It will be such fun, and I'm sure Mamma will let us go. Oh, that's a first-rate idea, cried Harold, throwing aside his book. To be sure, we must all go. Will you go, Elsie? asked Maggie, adding, We want you so very much. "'Oh, yes, if Papa will let me, and I think he will, for he allows me to run about here all day, which I should think was pretty much the same thing. Only there will be more fun and frolic with so many of us together, and the berries to pick, too. Oh, I should like to go very much indeed.' Hetty and Maggie had seated themselves on the grass, and now the whole plan was eagerly discussed. The children were all to meet at the schoolhouse at nine o'clock, and proceed in a body to the field, taking their dinners along, so as to be able to stay all day if they chose. The more the plan was discussed, the more attractive it seemed to our little friends, and the stronger grew their desire to be permitted to go. "'I wish I knew for certain that Mamma would say yes,' said Sophie. "'Suppose we go up to the house now and ask?' "'No,' objected Harold. "'Mamma will be busy now and less likely to say yes than after dinner. "'So we had better wait.' "'Well, then, you all ask leave when you go up to dinner, and we will call here on our way home from school to know whether you are going or not,' said Hetty, as she and Maggie rose to go. Harold and Sophie agreed, but Elsie said that she could not know then, because her father had gone to the city and would not be back until near tea-time. "'Oh, well, never mind. He'll be sure to say yes if Mamma does,' said Harold, hopefully. And then, as Hetty and Maggie walked away, he began consulting with Sophie on the best plan for approaching their mother on the subject. They resolved to wait until after dinner, and then, when she had settled down to her sewing, to present their request. Mrs. Allison raised several objections. The weather was very warm, the road would be very dusty, and she was sure they would get overheated and fatigued and heartily wish themselves at home long before the day was over. "'Well, then, Mamma, we can come home. "'There is nothing to prevent us,' said Harold. "'Oh, Mamma, do let us go just this once,' urged Sophie, "'and if we find it as disagreeable as you think, "'you know we won't ask again.' "'And so, at last, Mrs. Allison gave a rather reluctant consent, "'but only on condition that Mr. Dinsmore would allow Elsie to go, "'as she said it would be very rude indeed for them to go "'and leave their little guest at home alone.' This conversation had taken place in Mrs. Allison's dressing-room, and Elsie was waiting in the hall to learn the result of their application. "'Mama says we may go if your papa says yes,' cried Sophie, rushing out and throwing her arms around Elsie's neck. "'Oh, aren't you glad? Now, Elsie, coax him hard and make him let you go.' "'I wouldn't dare to do it. I should only get punished if I did, for papa never allows me to coax or tease, nor even to ask him a second time.' Elsie said, with a little shake of her head. 
"'Oh, nonsense!' exclaimed Sophie. "'I often get what I want by teasing. "'I guess you never tried it.' "'My papa is not at all like your father and mother,' replied Elsie, "'and it would be worse than useless to coax after he has once said no.' "'Then coax him before he has a chance to say it,' suggested Sophie, laughing. "'Perhaps that might do if I can manage it,' said Elsie thoughtfully. "'I wish he would come,' she added, walking to the window and looking out. "'He won't be here for an hour or two at any rate, if he dined in the city,' said Sophie. "'Oh, how warm it is! Let us go to our room, Elsie, and take off our dresses and have a nap. It will help to pass away the time until your papa comes.' Elsie agreed to the proposal, and before long they were both sound asleep, having tired themselves out with romping and running. When Elsie awoke, she found Chloe standing over her. "'You's had a very good nap, darling, and you's very warm,' she whispered as she wiped the perspiration from the little girl's face. "'Let your old mammy take you up and give you a bath and dress you up nice and clean before Miss Sophie gets her blue eyes open.' "'Oh, yes, that will make me feel so much better,' agreed the little girl. "'And you must make me look very nice, mammy, to please Papa. Has he come yet?' "'Yes, darlin', master's been home dis hour, and I specs he's in de parlor dis minute, talkin' long of Miss Rose and de rest.' "'Then hurry, mammy, dress me quickly, because I want to ask Papa something,' Elsie said in an eager whisper as she stepped hastily off the bed. Chloe did her best, and in half an hour Elsie, looking as sweet and fresh as a new-blown rose in her clean white frock and nicely brushed curls, entered the parlor where her father— Mrs. Allison, Miss Rose, and her elder brother were seated. Mr. Dinsmore was talking with Edward Allison, but he turned his head as Elsie came in and held out his hand to her with a proud, fond smile. She sprang to his side, and still going on with his conversation, he passed his arm around her waist and kissed her cheek while she leaned against his knee, and with her eyes feed lovingly upon his face, waited patiently for an opportunity to prefer her request. Miss Rose was watching them, as she often did, with a look of intense satisfaction, for it rejoiced her heart to see how her little friend reveled in her father's affection. The gentlemen were discussing some scientific question with great earnestness, and Elsie began to feel a little impatient as they talked on and on, without seeming to come any nearer to a conclusion. But at last Edward rose and left the room in search of a book which he thought would throw some light on the subject. And then her father turned to her and asked, "'How has my little girl enjoyed herself to-day?' "'Very much, thank you, Papa. But I have something to ask you, and I want you to say yes. Please, Papa, do, won't you?' she pleaded eagerly, but in a low tone only meant for his ears. "'You know I love to gratify you, daughter,' he said kindly, "'but I cannot possibly say yes until I know what you want.' "'Well, Papa,' she replied, speaking very fast, as if she feared he would interrupt her, "'a good many little girls and boys are going after strawberries to-morrow. "'They are to start from the schoolhouse at nine o'clock in the morning "'and walk two miles to a field where the berries are very thick, "'and they've asked us to go. "'I mean Harold and Sophie and me. "'And we all want to go so much. "'We think it will be such fun, and Mrs. Allison says we may, "'if you will only say yes. "'Oh, Papa, do please let me go, won't you?' Her tone was very coaxing, and her eyes pleaded as earnestly as her tongue. He seemed to be considering for a moment, and she watched his face eagerly, trying to read in it what his answer would be. 
At length it came, gently but firmly spoken. No, daughter, you cannot go. I do not at all approve of the plan. Elsie did not utter another word of remonstrance or entreaty, for she knew it would be useless. But the disappointment, and two or three tears rolled quickly down her cheeks. Her father looked at her for a moment in some surprise, and then said, speaking in a low tone and very gravely, This will never do, my daughter. Go up to my room and stay there until you can be quite cheerful and pleasant, and then you may come down again. Elsie hurried out of the room, the tears coming thick and fast now, and almost ran against Edward in the hall. Why, what is the matter, my dear? he asked in a tone of surprise and alarm, laying his hand on her shoulder to detain her. Please don't ask me, Mr. Edward. Please let me go, she sobbed, breaking away from him and rushing up the stairs. He stood for an instant looking after her, then turning to go back to the parlor, encountered Rose, who was just coming out. What ails her? he asked. I don't know. Something that passed between her and her father. I rather suspect he set her upstairs as a punishment. Shaw, I've no patience with him. The dear little thing, I don't believe she deserved it. Rose made no reply, but glided upstairs, and he returned to the parlor to finish the discussion with Mr. Dinsmore. In the meantime, Elsie had shut herself into her father's room, where she indulged for a few moments in a hearty cry, which seemed to do her a great deal of good, but presently she wiped away her tears, bathed her eyes, and sat down by the window. "'What a silly little girl I am,' she said to herself, "'to be crying just because I can't have my own way.' When I know, it will not alter Papa's determination in the least, and when I know, too, that I have always found his way the best in the end. Oh, dear, I have quite disgraced myself before Miss Rose and her mother, and the rest, and vexed Papa, too. I wish I could be good, and then I might be downstairs with the others instead of alone up here. Well, Papa said I might come down again as soon as I could be pleasant and cheerful, and I think I can now. And there is the tea-bell. She ran down just in time to take her place with the others. She raised her eyes to her father's face as he drew her chair up closer to the table. The look seemed to ask forgiveness and reconciliation, and the answering smile told that it was granted, and the little heart bounded lightly once more, and the sweet little face was wreathed in smiles. Sophie and Harold were watching her from the other side of the table, and their hopes rose high, for they very naturally concluded, from her beaming countenance, that she had carried her point, and they would all be allowed to go to the strawberry party next day. Their disappointment was proportionally great, when after supper Elsie told them what her father's answer had really been. "'How provoking!' they both exclaimed. "'Why, you looked so pleased. We were sure he had said yes, and we had quite set our hearts on it.' "'What is the matter?' asked Richard, who had just come up to them. They explained. "'Ah, so that was what you were crying about this afternoon, eh?' he said, pinching Elsie's cheek. "'Did you really, Elsie?' asked Sophie in surprise. Elsie blushed deeply, and Richard said, "'Oh, never mind. I dare say we've all cried about more trifling things than that in our day. Let's have a good game of romps out here on the lawn. Come. What shall it be, Elsie?' "'I don't care,' she replied, struggling to keep down an inclination to cry again. Puss wants a corner, suggested Harold. Trees for corners. 
"'Here goes, then,' cried Richard. "'Sophie, you stand here. Elsie, you take that tree yonder. "'Here, Fred and May, you can play, too. "'One here and another there, and now I'll be the puss.' So the game commenced, and very soon every disappointment seemed to be forgotten, and they were all in the wildest spirits. But after a while, as one romping game succeeded to another, Elsie began to grow weary, and seeing that her father was sitting alone upon the piazza, she stole softly to his side, and putting her arm round his neck, laid her cheek to his. He passed his arm around her waist and drew her to his knee. "'Which was my little daughter doubting this afternoon?' he asked gently, as he laid her head against his breast, Papa's wisdom or his love. "'I don't know, Papa. Please don't ask me. I am very sorry and ashamed,' she said, hanging her head and blushing deeply. "'I should be very happy,' he said, "'if my little girl could learn to trust me so entirely that she would always be satisfied with my decisions.' always believe that my reasons for refusing to gratify her are good and sufficient, even without having them explained. I do believe it, Papa, and I am quite satisfied now, she murmured. I don't want to go at all. Please forgive me, dear Papa. I will, daughter, and now listen to me. I know that you are not very strong, and I think that a walk for two miles or more in this hot June sun, to say nothing of stooping for hours afterwards picking berries, exposed to its rays would be more than you could bear without injury and if you want strawberries to eat you may buy just as many as you please and indeed you can get much finer ones in that way than you could find in any field you need not tell me it's the fun you want and not the berries he said as she seemed about to interrupt him i understand that perfectly but i know it would not be enough to pay you for the trouble and fatigue and now to show you that your father does not take pleasure in thwarting you but really loves to see you happy i will tell you what we have been planning miss rose and her brothers tell me there is a very pretty place a few miles from here where strawberries and cream can be had and we are going to make up a family party to-morrow if the weather is favorable and set out quite early in the morning in carriages mrs allison will provide a collation for us to carry along to which we will add the berries and cream after we get there. And we will take books to read, and the ladies will have their work, and the little girls their dolls, and we will spend the day in the woods. Will not that be quite as pleasant as going with the school children? The little arm had been stealing round his neck again while he was telling her all this, and now hugging him tighter and tighter she whispered, Dear Papa, you are very kind to me, and it makes me feel so ashamed of my naughtiness. I always find in the end that your way is best, and then I think I will never want my own way again. But the very next time it is just the same thing over. Oh, Papa, you will not get out of patience with me and quit loving me and doing what is best for me because I am foolish enough to wish for what is not. No, darling, never. I shall always do what seems to me to be for your good, even in spite of yourself. I, who have so often been guilty of murmuring against the will of my heavenly Father, who, I well know, is infinite in wisdom and goodness, ought to be very patient with your distrust of a fallible, short-sighted, earthly parent. But come, darling, we will go upstairs. We have just time for a few moments together before you go to bed. On going to their bedroom, after leaving her father, Elsie found Sophie already there, impatiently waiting to tell her of the plan for the morrow, which she had just learned from Richard. 
She was a little disappointed to find that it was no news to Elsie, but soon got over that, and was full of lively talk about the pleasure they would have. It will be so much pleasanter, she said, than going berrying with those schoolchildren, for I dare say we would have found it hot and tiresome walking all that distance in the sun. So I'm right glad now that your father said no instead of yes, aren't you, Elsie? Yes, Elsie said with a sigh. Sophie was down on the floor, pulling off her shoes and stockings. Why, what's the matter? she asked, stopping with her shoe in her hand to look up into Elsie's face, which struck her as unusually grave. Nothing, only I'm so ashamed of crying when Papa said I shouldn't go, Elsie answered with a blush. Dear Papa, I always find he knows best, and yet I am so often naughty about giving up. "'Never mind, it wasn't much. I wouldn't care about it,' said Sophie, tossing away her shoe and proceeding to pull off the stocking. Chloe whispered in Elsie's ear, "'Massa not vex with you, darling?' Elsie smiled and shook her head. "'No, Mammy, not now.'" End of chapter 16, part 1